1: Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360
2: is underway from 6th and Peabody. Friday edition is here. We We made it, it, Hutton. We're here. And... The weekend is upon us with all of the football discussion. Conference Championship weekend is here. Kicks off tonight in the Pac-12, USC and Utah. Plus, we've got the SEC title game and more tomorrow. Trey Wallace will join us in about 20 minutes, and we will head down to Atlanta. We'll preview Georgia and LSU. That uh, will be in the uh, hour number one of the show. And throughout the show, a look at what's going to be a fun college slate, and then a slammed, jam-packed week 13 in the NFL. Chad, good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon, Hutton. Good to have you back, uh, driving right. the ship here today. Um, voices held up nicely well, this week under some bad conditions, but sounding good so far. That, that, we returned you're from being way too polite on
2: that, but thank yeah,
0: you. Yeah, no, you did a good job. Um, we returned from Chattanooga to a very festive holiday theme on our set. So yeah, I'm, I'm now in the Christmas spirit as uh, we host That's this right. Friday show. So. Look, we're, it's December. It's time to go. All right. We're, I would say that for a the show like today, you know, we would go with the old Wolf of Wall Street line from Leo that we're not leaving. But the truth of the matter is, I'll be leaving in exactly three hours, <laughs> as will Hutton. We're out of here. That's right. But we got three jam packed hours for you. Um, the Bills are not leaving. They
2: declared that last night on Thursday night football. Uh, Chad, it, going into the Thursday night matchup, again, they were 0 2 in their own division in the AFC East, and Miami, with a chance this week as a a measuring stick game for them on the road in San Francisco, had the Patriots, because the Patriots have been seesawing, right? They're now back at 500 at six and six on the season. Had the Patriots pulled the upset at home last night over Buffalo, the storyline would have been about Buffalo being 0-3 and continuing two steps forward, one step back with their overall play. That did not happen. Josh Allen, we mentioned yesterday on the show, the get-right games for him have been against New England, and it was a money game for him. And here's the X factor for Buffalo as December is upon us. They're running the football. Their six best outputs on the ground have been their last six games as a team. So this is a good sign for a Buffalo Bills team that maybe you had some questions. You, you know, I, I wasn't worried about them. And some of the throws last night that Allen was making... He looked like the Josh Allen that entered the season as the MVP favorite, not the guy who's throwing picks in the red zone.
0: Yeah, the man is a like a huge magician when he's playing at that level with some of the throws he can make and the way he can utilize his legs in his game also. The Bills accomplished two things last night that's never happened in NFL history. One is that they're the first NFL team ever to win three Thursday games in the same season. The second is that they are the first team in NFL history to beat four Super Bowl winning head coaches on the road in one season, which they accomplished last night with Belichick being the fourth. Um, This Bills team is here to stay. You know, that's been the question, though, that we've been asking is, have they been disappointing? Because there were high expectations coming into the season that it was Super Bowl or bust for this Bills team, that that was the expectation It's a fan base that wants it badly, obviously. It's a team that has arrived, and they're right there knocking on the door to win a Super Bowl. Then they go out in week one, and they destroy the Rams on the road on Thursday night football. That raised expectations even more. So when they lose in Miami, even though they had their entire secondary out, when they've taken a couple steps back another couple times this season, we start to ask the question, well, is this this Bills team as good as we thought going into the season – then we see a performance last, like last night, Hutton, and I think the answer is yeah. They're every bit as good, and they're one of the two best teams, two or three best teams, I'll say, in the AFC. On the other side, Mac Jones was not happy last night with the play calling. Um, that was a fired-up Mac Jones that cameras caught on the sideline, F-bombing, I'm guessing, Matt Patricia. He's yelling down the bench at someone yeah. that the bleeping running game sucks and throw the ball. The problem for Mac Jones
2: is the game plan against the Patriots is to force him to throw the football. That's what the opposing defenses want. And until he's more consistent in that regard, they're not going to force the issue with him on that. And probably, uh, if they know, they know, right? And so, I think the Patriots know they've got to get some more competition in the quarterback moving forward. I heard an interesting uh, take last night. The the Russell Wilson discussion came up about the Patriots. About a possible trade this offseason. Now, this was your typical sports radio you know, call-in for uh, you know, the national talk shows at midnight or whatever time we got done calling that game. Uh, the, and I, I got to thinking, I'm like, you know what? The veteran Bill Belichick trying to get a quick solution... With an offense that wants to be run base, that wants to have uh, a defense that's going to carry the the tenor of the team, you know that 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 would make some sense. But the the contract itself and everything else that Denver's invested in uh, doesn't make me think they're going to get in return what it would take to trade a guy like that. Again, um, that's the reaction to the Patriots' offense on the national show I was listening to as they're riffing on what are they going to do moving forward at quarterback? What options are out there? And I guess Wilson has been tied with, with uh, the, the Patriots even whenever there was discussion in 2019 about Brady being the final year there in Foxborough.
0: Our radio listeners could not see my reaction right, yes. when you said that, but I had the confused man meme or the, the gif. That, that was my face I made when you said that. Um, but I'll, I'll say this. Here's where it does make sense. Bill Belichick and the veteran reclamation project of careers that you think is over or on the downslide and suddenly they're really good again when they get to New England. And we've seen countless examples, Randy Moss being the biggest one back in the day. We haven't had to see it at quarterback because of Tom Brady for so long. So this would add one more position to that list of reclamation projects possibly. The finances of it would make no sense. Exactly. And we talked about it yesterday. Now the question with Russell Wilson in Denver is not, you know, how they can go about tweaking little things to make that offense purr and get Russell Wilson back on track to is it even possible to save with Russell Wilson in Denver? So Patriots
1: are six
2: and six, Chad, and I think they've got to go four and one down the stretch to make the postseason, or they're going to miss it for the second consecutive year. And I point to that because you have a schedule where I think in the AFC, you're going to need 10 wins to get in as you survey the records right now. And with the, with the win last night, currently the Bills have a half-game lead on the division. So they're now the two seed right behind Kansas City, followed by the Titans and the Ravens. And then your wild card teams in the AFC right now are the Dolphins, Bengals, and Jets with the Chargers, the first team out, They're facing the Raiders this week. And meanwhile, Miami can climb up again with another win over San Francisco. But point being, I think the the 4-1 Patriots down the stretch would be quite the story now with five games for them on their schedule, considering that of those five games, they have the Bengals, Dolphins, and Bills on their schedule still to come. And because of that, I think they're looking at another offseason that begins at the end of, well, the first week of January. January tenth. Yeah,
0: last one ended a week later. Yes. yes. (laughs) Yeah. This one's going to end a week earlier. Um, I I was taking a look at their schedule also and looking at the possibility of getting to that four and one mark. And my first thought was, well, here's a possible NFL elimination for me because I need some ideas. Could be. Yeah. (laughs) On our next one, and the Patriots may be on that list. Uh, You can hit us up on social at OutKick360.
2: Pulisic is uh, cleared to play for Team USA. United States and the Netherlands coming up tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock Central, uh, 10 o'clock Eastern, and, of course, on Fox. We'll be glued to that. And then all of the conference championship games. But uh, not only do we have our best player who's cleared to play, the Netherlands apparently have a flu issue throughout their roster.
0: I don't know. Uh, I, I see things like this. Look, call me you know an isolationist or whatever you think or, of you know, Jordan? not not trusting of other cultures or nations <laughs> or whatever i don't believe anything that comes from another country when it comes to like sports news I, this could be gamesmanship like i don't i don't buy it i don't think a single dutch player is going to be hampered at all in this game that well, is that is my prediction some of the best what athletes perform is I don't well with the dutch too. specifically uh, and this is dutch hate week because our American team is playing the Dutch. I just don't trust information that comes out. If there's truly a flu outbreak, and it's the flu flu, and guys are getting sick right now, then there's going to be either players that are out totally or really in bad shape when you talk about what you have to do over the course of a soccer match if they have the flu. So my guess, they'll be fine. And everyone's going to play, and it's it, this is going to be a story that if the Dutch win, you know they're going to be heralded as heroes because it's like the Michael Jordan flu game. You know, they're they're for years we'll talk about the time the entire Dutch team had the flu <laughs> and beat the Americans in the World Cup des- to get to des- the quarterfinals. Destroyed us. Yeah, whatever. They're fine.
2: <laughs> and then sent us packing with the flu.
0: Yeah. Now, I am starting to take on as we get closer to the that match. That is a headline,
2: though. They, they, did, they are saying no, it's, it's going true. through yeah, their they, roster.
0: They, the, that is a story that's out there. You can choose to believe it or not. I don't believe it. But, yes, they, there's a story that all of them have the flu, apparently. Um, all the Dutch players. That, that's, it's just it's just rampant in, yeah. in the locker room right now. <laughs> but um, as we get closer, I am starting to take more of that Charles Barkley mentality about, you know what? Screw this team. <laughs> I'm talking about the other team, not the Americans. They're going to win, and then get to the round of eight, and then you know make hay there. It's going to um, be funny the way to watch tomorrow morning. Big day with that that match yeah. kicking everything off, and then you got a full day of college football with championship weekend.
2: And then if the uh, United States, if we
0: win, we will play either January eighth or
2: ninth, or excuse me, December eighth or ninth um, next week. So we'll keep tabs on that. And it's Argentina as one of Argentina
0: them. or Australia or Australia. So, Argentina.
2: Yeah, okay. I um,
0: mean, if you're doing the scouting report, you know, you got your assistant coaches working on the scout, you probably got uh, most of the work being done on Argentina and not Australia if you're if you're looking at the next match. Uh, but, Florida quarterback Jalen
2: Kittenup, who yesterday was released on bond, as details of the child pornography case emerged, um, Florida has dismissed him from school. So, he's now a day less than 24 hours after being released on bond no longer with the university and of course the football program and chad they if you're the just from the gators perspective here kitten is not there and richardson's probably going pro i wouldn't if i'm him but he he's probably going pro does he opt out of a bowl game which i guess could be the music city bowl i'm trying to gauge where that would be like what quarterback options might they have or n- not have at I Florida? I thought Richardson right now. was only
0: two years removed. Did he redshirt a year? He's a redshirt. Okay, if he's There's, a redshirt, I mean, I'm reading up on him. If as he's a, draft a redshirt, prospect, then yeah, so. he is. Uh, I-, I thought it was for the next draft, but yeah, if it- uh, if he's a redshirt, then he is eligible to go pro. Um, so you want to? I mean. This this doesn't yeah. Fall on I'm the, looking
2: at 2023 mock drafts that feature Richardson, yes. so he is eligible. Uh, this doesn't fall on the, on the on the feet of the coaching staff uh, here, but you want to talk about expectations from three weeks ago for a Gators program to now going the bowl eligible barely, and your quarterbacks aren't there. One for uh, something hellacious and uh, accusations, and you, then you have uh, Richardson, who's you know a fringe. Draft pick, top quarterback type talent, um, who if he came back, I think could really help his stock. Oh, but, yeah. but, yeah, I mean, Florida's momentum, and I know they've got Rashada, a flip transfer quarterback. Yeah, he's
0: coming in. That's a, that's the future uh, at the position, right, for but them. not
2: now. Right. It's just it's really intriguing. It's a lot like South Carolina um, from
0: a year ago. Well, it's a good it's a good way that if uh, if you like to wager. The moment that bowl game is announced and lines start dropping on yes. all the bowl games, get in early uh, before that line uh, pushes up for the other team when everybody re- obviously realizes they don't have a quarterback, you know, the, the one on their roster. I'm trying to find now who the starter would be. Uh, it's a terrible situation, though, with, with Kitna. And I, I, I was, when I saw the photos of John Kitna in the courtroom, yeah, I just immediately thought, look, there's a child victim here that's obviously the worst part of this whole case. But I, f- I feel awful for John Kitna, his dad, yeah. the family involved. I mean, I'm just thinking about, you know, you have a child, a son, that obviously the you know, his parents love, and he's playing college football at the University of Florida. And then this happens, and you're showing up to court because your kid was doing something awful on his computer that involved uh, child victims. I mean, it's just a – it's really just a sickening story all around with a lot of lot of ways to feel bad, right? The we're a sports show, so the sports implications are now Florida may be without, you know, Richardson and their backup quarterback in a bowl game, and they lost a backup quarterback in their program, but the whole thing's just a mess. And the and the Florida season, yeah, for Billy Napier is it's a failure. I mean there's no other way around
2: based, it. Based based on where we were in week 1 to where we are now.
0: Yeah, based on the start, based on the expectations for this team, 6 and 6 losing to Vanderbilt just and the beating, way things and went and beating
2: Utah as a home dog to start
0: yeah. everything off and then the, the didn't d- beat the a turn. single rival. Yeah, and then the turn happened with Kentucky. Right, yeah, they lost to Tennessee, Georgia, Kentucky, Florida State. I would count those as the top rivals for Florida, and to go 0 and four against them, uh, there's a lot. I know that a lot of Florida players are hitting the portal. Also, that's probably needed, and that's probably what Billy Napier wants. Well, Billy Napier dismissed his uh, leading tackler in yeah, the middle with, of the season with two weeks left, two or three weeks yeah. left of the season. Yeah. yeah. So to your there, point. there is a purge going on. I, I think with Billy Napier, that's that's what's happening. And look, it's easy to look at. We got fooled by that week one result when they beat Utah. But when you go back to the bottoming out with Dan Mullen the year before, there's a culture issue in that locker room. Agreed. A team that that, that is that talented that went to the SEC championship the previous year in 2020 to completely quit and look that undisciplined on the field and getting Dan Mullen fired, and maybe it's partially Dan Mullen's fault, don't know. But there's a culture problem with the players on that roster that Billy Napier inherited And he's got to fix that, but that's not a job where they're patient in letting you rebuild things. They're going to expect better next year, especially with a transfer portal, where you can bring in veteran guys and not. It's not going to be a team full of freshmen.
2: Coming up, we've got Trey Wallace and uh, Drew Brees was not struck by lightning, even though for some reason many people on social media believed it. And oh, not
0: just not just people on social media, uh, news outlets. Reported yeah. he had
2: been struck by lightning. Yeah, those, those sharing these reports that he'd been struck by lightning. Chad and I, for the life of us, can't figure out why people bought this as real. Um, we'll discuss from our vantage point how we saw this versus how others reacted to this. And then the reaction to Bree saying he's fine and he has not been struck by lightning. But We'll get into that later. Trey Wallace takes us inside the SEC championship game. Georgia and LSU will start there.
1: or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. We are back in
2: Nashville and we head to Atlanta side of the SEC championship game. Trey Wallace joins us on Outkick 360. Our covers God. the SEC for Outkick.com. Trey, hope all is well.
3: Yeah, everything is uh, everything's good. A little bit of a start at the Rough day to the, the the Friday morning, but that's okay. We got uh, football tonight. We got uh, SEC Championship tomorrow and a bunch of other conference games. So lots of great stuff going on in football. Excited about it. What did the loss to AM mean for
2: LSU's momentum coming into this game?
3: Man, it, it really – I don't know. I don't know about, like, LSU, the football team, but maybe the luster a little bit of – the SEC championship game and maybe for LSU fans uh, that had, you know, bought tickets to come here because they knew they were already in uh, hotels and whatnot thinking it would be a competitive game or or tailgate spots. I spoke to a couple people um, th- just today, you know, about coming to LSU. I, I think that the LSU football team, you know, I was, I was talking to a coach about this and it's like, how do you get past that? It's like, you know, he said, Brian Kelly probably got on the intercom. Uh, on the way back from College Station and said, all right, boys, straights up, let's go, sit up straight, we're going to go play for a championship next weekend. You have to put this behind it. And I think that's kind of the mentality that's been going on at Baton Rouge this week. I, I've spoken to a few people down there. They're still playing for an SEC title, and they don't forget that people had them predicted sixth in the West uh, before the season even started. So there's a lot of motivation going into this game. Maybe just maybe it's just kind of lost a little bit of its luster because of that loss last weekend. And
0: when you look at Georgia on the other side, you know we're trying to see if, if there's going to be some chaos this weekend, if it's going to be chalk. So you start to try to predict. Okay, who's likely to not be completely there mentally? And I, I just don't see that with this Georgia program uh, under Kirby Smart as a group that's going to you know overlook LSU or not show up in this SEC championship game. So I kind of mentally move on to other possible things that could happen over championship weekend. Do you feel the same, Trey, or do you see a scenario where Georgia, for whatever reason, comes out and does not play well and LSU's right there with a chance to win?
3: I I don't know if it's it's Georgia not playing well because Georgia just has that system as well, the the way that they run their offense. Um, What worries me a little bit about Georgia is the fact that sometimes – they will hold off and they'll need like uh, somebody to get them a little spark all of a sudden to get them going, uh, that offense, you know, even if they were playing down for a little bit. I've seen that a couple times this year with this offense. Um, I look at it, if they come out and LSU pops them in the mouth, okay, we got a ball game. You know, if if Georgia comes in and Stetson Bennett hits a play action on the fourth play of the game and it's a touchdown, Georgia, It'll be a long day for LSU. I I don't see it, you know, in in this game. I don't think Georgia's looking past anyone. Let's not forget, Georgia did not win the SEC title last year. They might have won the national championship, but they dropped that game in Atlanta uh, to Alabama. Kirby Smart really wants that SEC title. Um, I I think there's other games. I think there's two other games where we're going to see potential upsets this weekend. I I don't think it's going to be here in Atlanta, but – I've seen crazier things. Yeah, we'll get to
0: those those two games here shortly also. But yeah. we just had a conversation about Florida football, Trey. I know you, you interviewed Dan Mullen on your podcast for your second episode. Uh, recommend everybody check that out as well. Um, things fell apart for Dan Mullen with that team and that roster. And I think the thought was, okay, Billy Napier's there and there's still a lot of talent on the roster. They come out and beat Utah to start the season. And then it's a disappointing season by the end of it. Now you've got all this other stuff going on with Jalen Kitna – Uh, There's a lot of things happening around the program that makes me sit back and think, just how bad is it in Gainesville in terms of culture around that program? And I guess my question to you, Trey, is how big of a reclamation rebuild and restart is this now for Billy Napier? Or is it just simply, he needs to add a little bit more talent and tweak a few things and they're going to be just fine?
3: I don't think it's anything like what Josh Heupel had to do it in Tennessee. Uh, I mean that that there there. I guess there are different types of rebuilds now. Uh yeah. Josh Heupel rebuild was crazy. If Florida, they had, a, they had a lot of players that did not buy. I'm trying to be, be nice, my words, did not buy into the program at all. Um I, I don't I don't care who the coach is. Um, I, I think you saw that play out. During the season, when some players stepped away, even towards the end of the season, um, Britton Cox, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, left the team or was kicked off the team um, to Billy Napier. You know, people forget that. You know, four weeks ago, um, I, I think there's a, I think there's a, an overall problem at Florida in a sense of he's still going to have to weed out the guys that don't want to be there. And he's also going to have to rebuild this roster, too. I mean, there, there are key spots that the Gators are struggling at. And and and, and there hasn't been a lot of leadership um, I, from inside the program, on the team, players. Like, that is something that's been key to me. And, and when I look at Florida, I think they could be a good team. But then it's also, you know, I look at their last two regular season games of the loss to Vanderbilt. And they get beat by Jordan Travis and FSU and I just feel like man the, the, the Florida State game is probably not one you should lose like I think you had more talent Billy Napier Florida's been a had, Florida's had a bad rap for a number of years for a number of different things uh players off the field if you want if we want to talk about that we can you know uh vitriol within the locker room um and then Dan Mullen getting let go. You know, but I think overall looking at it, Billy Napier is gonna to have to prove us something in year two. And 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 probably that's what, eight wins next year. I think that's a, a nice start uh for them. But right now, I know what the Florida Gator program looks like from the outside. And and even though this case that's going on has nothing to do with the University of Florida, period, I still think that they have more problems internally.
2: Trey, we saw a lot of quarterback movement in the portal within the conference itself last year. How much will we see this year?
3: I don't I don't think you're gonna see too terribly much. I, I really don't. I think you're gonna see some backups, you know. Um, Tyler Macon from Missouri was one um that, that left who I, in my opinion, has a lot of t- talent. Um, that could potentially beat out Brady Cook next year, even though they had a kid, Sam Horn, there as well. Um, I, I I look around the conference. I think, you know, you're also seeing a couple spots where quarterbacks are leaving. So these next guys are going to get the opportunity. And I, I think that's key. If we were in a spot where, let's just say, Hendon Hooker was returning, Bryce Young was returning, Will Levis was returning, um, you know, and you can go on down the, the names. I mean, Ole Miss is good because Jackson Dart, you know, will be around. Um, you, you've got LSU that will have to figure out what they're going to do. A quarterback going forward. Texas AM looks fine with Connor Wegman uh, at quarterback. So, so, I don't think you're going to see a lot of movement. I'm interested actually to see who comes into the conference at quarterback. Um, that's kind of what stands out the most to me. And it Dan Mullen kind of said this on my podcast, and it really. It kind of blew me away a minute. I was like, okay, this makes sense. So when USC last year did the whole Lincoln-Riley package deal, where Lincoln-Riley brought Caleb Williams in with him immediately, and then they went out and got Jordan Addison, Dan Mullen was talking about there is potential now for these big-name quarterbacks and wide receivers to be package deals and go to the schools for compensation – And what better spot to do that than the Southeastern Conference? That is something that I'm paying attention to. What quarterback out there right now is laying in the weeds but has already potentially agreed to something where they enter the portal automatically with another school, have an NIL agreement set up? And by the way, also, they're going to bring one of their best wide receivers with them. Like that's kind of something Dan Mullen pointed out to me that I thought was very interesting.
0: Yeah, I think Kentucky's an interesting spot to look for someone going out and getting a big-name guy somewhere else that'd be very active in the quarterback transfer market. Trey Wallace of com is our guest, our SEC columnist. Trey, Tennessee's athletic director, Danny White, does not strike me as a beta. How do you think he is going to re- react and how hard will he fight back if his team is knocked down to the Cotton Bowl because Ohio State and 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 the the Rose Bowl have some sort of agreement or they're in cahoots where for whatever reason Ohio State doesn't want to go to the Granddaddy of them all and instead wants to go to the Orange Bowl which would knock Tennessee down a notch. How active do you expect Danny White to be in this whole process?
3: I'm pissed off would probably be an understatement. Uh, I think I would be very very nice by saying that. Um, I I look. And talking with folks at Tennessee, that they don't, you don't want to go to the, there's nothing against a Cotton Bowl. The Cotton Bowl is in the New Year's Six, you know, uh, rotation for the national championship or semifinals, whatnot. Nothing against the Cotton Bowl, but there is something against the matchup. And the matchup would be Tennessee versus UCF or Tulane if that happens. And to be honest with you, the only people that would care about that matchup. Are the UCF fans because they'd be going against Josh Heupel and Danny White? If you wanted to add it all together, um, Tennessee doing everything that they did this year and then getting kind of screwed out of the Sugar and then screwed out of like the first the first Domino was Alabama being ranked in yeah. front of Tennessee, which sent them to the Sugar. Okay, so Tennessee's already agitated to that. The second Domino is Ohio State saying, well, guys, you know, we would really not like to go back out to Pasadena. Could you send us somewhere else? Okay, there's a second domino. So it sends him to Miami. So Tennessee's now screwed out of Miami. So now it drops him all the way back to the Cotton Bowl, which would just be a bad matchup. Trust me, Tennessee folks have been on the phone this week. Uh, I, I don't know the right word. Uh, to put it, lobbying maybe is probably the best word with a little more aggression Uh, to figure out how they could potentially get to the Orange Bowl because there's no way to get to the Sugar now unless you jump Alabama. I don't see how that's going to happen. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a tough spot to be in after everything that they had done this year because I do think it would be a worthy matchup for whoever they would play in the Sugar or the Orange Bowl, especially if it was like Clemson. They played North Carolina in the last ten years. No, you know, you know had bad memories on that one when uh, Butch Davis was on the sideline. But you know, I, I still think that Tennessee deserved something better than the Cotton Bowl at twelve o'clock local time when other games are going to be going on that are probably a lot better. So you know, Danny White is a uh, he 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 acts like he acts like he's quiet. Sitting kind of back in the woods a little bit, but trust me, he's at the forefront of this, and uh, agitated would be the correct word to use. And some of the chaos
0: that you referenced that we'll we'll talk about later, Hutton and I with other conference championship games could dictate Tennessee not falling to the Cotton Bowl based on what happens there, so we don't know right. yet. We'll, yeah. we'll know on Sunday. Another thing that I, that I have for you, Trey, and I didn't even know this was a thing until today. I, I learned something. I've watched college football for years. Brett McMurphy every uh, week puts out a new bowl projection. He's usually very, very good at doing this. He just moved Tennessee to the Cotton Bowl this week because of what he's hearing about Ohio State not going to the Rose. But the thing that jumped out to me was, apparently teams can just request not to play an opponent, and then they'll move them around. If you have a strong enough request in writing that you want to avoid a certain opponent, Missouri will not play Kansas. Kansas. Everybody wants to see the renewal of that rivalry, a border war between Missouri and Kansas in a bowl game, but they're scheduled to renew their rivalry in 2025. Kansas is okay playing the game in a bowl game. And Brad Murphy didn't outright say it, but he did report, I know Kansas doesn't have a problem with it, but I'm told it won't happen because someone refuses to play an opponent. So it's Missouri refusing to play Kansas. I mean, could Tennessee just say, I don't, we don't want to play Tulane? And then they get moved to a better bowl game, to a, or the cotton has to move. That's, that's a very odd thing. And I know the New Year Six is different than the lower bowls, but that jumped out to me that we know that ADs can go through and say, this is what we want in a list of three, in order. Yeah. I didn't know that you could say, this is who we don't want to play, though.
3: It is very funny. Missouri don't want to play that game because they want to give it up, you know, when it's going to happen in two years anyways. They want to save it for, yeah. for when it's going to happen on the schedule down the road. Okay, I I kind of understand that maybe a little bit. You don't want to give it away. You're trying to tease it until you get to that spot. Why give it up in the bowl season when you can have it in the regular season? I kind of – whatever. Okay, I get it. But the thing about these teams – and Because all these teams can lobby. Like, if you're not in a New Year's Six Bowl, everybody knows that teams fill out a form. They get on a conference call and they say, well, man, we'd really like to go to the Music City Bowl. And if we can't have the Music City Bowl, we would love to go to Charlotte. If we can't go to Charlotte, we would love to go anywhere but Birmingham or Shreveport. You know, that's how it's been in the past. But, But now you look at what we've got with the New Year's Six. Ohio State comes out because they have some sort of clause and says, well, we don't want to go back and and and, and play this matchup potentially again, and we were just there, um, so we're not going to go. You guys can deal with that and figure out who you want to put in. I mean, if I – you know, if, if Tennessee wants to put their big boy pants on, they're on the phone this week. They're talking to the Orange Bowl. They're talking to the Sugar Bowl. Hey, guys, look. I'm going to sell you 35,000 tickets for your bowl game. I can promise you that we're going to sell probably 35,000 tickets to your bowl game. You need to take us. Alabama is not motivated, and I'm not talking about the players when I say this. Alabama fans are not motivated to go to New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl for a game that doesn't matter in the playoffs. They don't care. They don't care to go to Miami either to go watch Alabama play a team that doesn't involve the playoffs. Tennessee fans are motivated this year. They will travel in droves. And that's why the Sugar and the Orange Bowl know how – I put in a quote the other day. I talked to a bowl rep that said he was jealous because he couldn't have Tennessee this year. And it wasn't the Cotton Bowl or anybody like that. He was jealous because he thought the Sugar and the Orange would end up getting Tennessee. But now maybe that doesn't happen. So, look, if, if I'm Tennessee, I'm throwing out the money figures that I could have coming into your town, how long we're staying in your town, and I'm setting a precedent. If, if Ohio State could say, hey, we don't want to go to Pasadena and play one of the biggest bowl games in national college football history, why can't Tennessee just say, hey, man, I'm sorry, Cotton Bowl, we don't want to come all the way to Dallas and play Tulane or UCF at noon on a whatever day it is. We would like the premier game of playing a night game in the Sugar Bowl, or playing at the Orange Bowl. I just, you got to put your foot down in, in these situations, and I'm interested to see how Tennessee plays it out in the next three days. Trey, how would Two you days, rate? Really? How would you
0: rate Hugh Freeze's uh, performance in his introductory press conference at Auburn in his first few days on the job? Obviously, keeping Cadillac Williams on that staff was a big coup
3: for him. That's a golden globe performance on stage. That's yes. what that was. Go that I mean that's that's, that's close to Oscar worthy. I'm going to go golden globe and stay in that category that range, but Oscar that was a good one. Um, he checked off all the boxes. God family, uh football, uh and then his you know, his social media was brought up, which was just fantastic. Um you know, I he's a great football coach. Don't get me wrong. Really good football coach. Um, But I think some of the – he's gone back a couple times this week and tried to say I'm sorry for sending DMs and whatnot. Man, you're saying you're sorry because you just got the Auburn job and you want this to go away as quick as possible and for people to stop talking about it. You didn't say sorry during the season at Liberty. Um, while you were playing when these questions were potentially brought up you're saying it now because you're in a different situation I right? look I think I think he's going to do a good job at Auburn I think he's going to hire a staff and a couple staff members that people are familiar with around the southeastern Conference besides the obvious Cadillac like Williams I mean he just got rid of Jimmy brumbaugh the other day and you got to feel it for Jimmy brumbaugh that man's been through the ringer in the last three years from Jeremy Pruitt to Having a deal with Brian Harson, um, but but you you look at it overall, Hugh Freeze uh, he did what he was supposed to do, said what he was supposed to say. Now it's all about can he just do it the right way at Auburn? And these stories aren't going away either. I can promise you that uh, people are digging right now on Hugh Freeze, and whether you like it or not, um, that's just the way our business works. and And I'm interested to see how he handles it over the next couple months with the transfer portal, when it comes to the high school part of recruiting, um, and and when it comes to just being the man in Auburn. So good luck to him, but great performance uh, in his press conference. I do give him a lot of credit for that.
2: Trey Wallace has been our guest. Trey, enjoy the SEC championship game tomorrow. We'll be looking forward to the coverage this weekend, man.
3: Yeah, lots of coverage coming this weekend. Going to have some scene setters, some stuff going on here in Atlanta. Uh, we got the game at four o'clock Eastern Time. We'll have you covered through that and all the other games going on this weekend. Uh, by the way, uh, Utah beats USC tonight, and then Kansas State beats TCU tomorrow. So that's what I'm going with in my predictions. Good luck. Appreciate
2: it. We will uh, we will run through all of the conference championship matchups coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Thanks to Trey Wallace of OutKick.com there read his work uh, again all weekend with covering the SEC championship between Georgia and LSU. When we come back, there are plenty of really good games on the slate for this upcoming weekend in the NFL. And I think there are more than the usual money line upsets out there for the taking. I'll tell you who I'm betting as the underdogs against the NFL favorites straight up. That's next and Now Kick 360. Sixth and Peabody, our location, Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, Outkick 360 rolls on. Coming up, Paul Calagiri will join us and will reminisce on the U.S. men's national team for soccer from the 90s and preview the upcoming match tomorrow against the Netherlands for the United States. Again, that's a 10 a.m. Eastern start time on Fox. We'll do that at the start of hour number three. So we're about an hour and 10 minutes away from that. A U.S.
0: soccer legend.
2: Yes. Plus, we've got uh, plenty of discussion on all of the conference championship matchups across college football. Chad, uh, we will go in depth on the biggest games across the NFL later in today's show. But I do think there are some games where I'm leaning more towards the underdog winning outright this week than usual. Normally, my money line upsets, outkick.com slash bets is where you can go. Outkick.com slash bet is where you can uh, join all of the DraftKings offers. Um, I'm picking two or three normally. I'm looking for, I've got four for you. I've got a four pack for you. And again, it's not a parlay, just individual straight money line bets here where if we win 50% of them, you're going to get plus money. So if we're two and two on the, Weekend, we're going to make a little cash here. Um, and I'm, I'm strong on these. Now, one of them, to be fair, is probably a pick em by the time Sunday rolls around. And that's where we start. The Steelers and the Falcons. Um, I'm, I've got Pittsburgh in this game. Kenny Pickett, to me, while he hasn't been great, he also hasn't been awful. He hasn't thrown an interception in the last three games. He also hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in three of the last four games. But I think he's going to finish the season strong. The Falcons' defense is a group the Steelers should be able to throw against. Picket to pick it to pick-ins in this game will be fun to watch. And the Falcons want to run the football and shorten the game. Meanwhile, Najee Harris says he's playing, but the Steelers haven't been able to run it. And that's why I think, because of just the style of offense right now, I'm taking Pittsburgh over Atlanta, because I think they're going to put the ball in the air and actually try to gain some momentum and build on a season that's not going to end in the postseason. Again, uh, you get the road dog, Pittsburgh. I love Tomlin here. I like Arthur Smith, too, but give me the money line if, in fact, you're getting plus money on the Steelers. Bengals over the Chiefs. Measuring stick game for Cincinnati. They won this game twice last year. Keep in mind, the regular season game was Jamar Chase's breakout performance. Three touchdowns. Had like 260 combined yards through the air. He's back this week, and the Bengals have already won three of the last four games without him. The Chiefs, meanwhile, turned the football over twice last week. That's why they lost twice to the Bengals a year ago. They turned the football over. Cincinnati's defense, I think, is becoming more and more opportunistic weekly, and I'm taking another great performance between two solid quarterbacks. Bears over the Packers. It's just this simple. I realize Rodgers has absolutely owned this franchise. Justin Fields is back. He's completely off the injury report this week. Meanwhile, Rodgers added another ailment to his injury report. And I think the Packers are closer to seeing Jordan Love at quarterback than we are seeing Rodgers and that offense really start clicking. Uh, Watkins would concern me in this matchup against the, the Bears defense. And that's about it. I'm taking Chicago at home over Green Bay straight up. And why not, if the Houston Texans are going to play with energy and passion and a want to go out and thump an opponent. There's one left on the schedule to do that for a one-win team. They're hosting them on Sunday. They're hosting him on Sunday and Deshaun Watson and the Browns. All eyes will be on him. And this is a Texans roster that is gearing up for a quarterback in the draft. I still think they can run the football at a very high level with Damian Pierce. And it's still a Texans team that has been close in second halves while not close in the scoreboard throughout a game. So, and the Browns are just aren't that good. Um, they're much better than the Texans. But I do think even with bad teams, you sometimes get one locker room rallying around one last hurrah. This is that for Houston.
0: Hutton, I know you don't like to parlay it, but if you parlay all four of those together, a $3 bet will win you $114 if you hit all four. All right. Let's buy let, let, we, That'll get you a tab. I'm doing it. Let's I'm
2: go. I'm doing it. Parlay. Coming up. Conference championships. We'll start with the Pac 12 matchup tonight USC and Utah. It's next, and I'll kick 360.